Alla, did you ever hear of George Patton? The uh, the American general. Uh, isn't he buried somewhere here in Luxembourg? He is. He died in a car crash in 1945. Well, he had a lot of famous sayings. Some of them were a bit coarse. They were a bit naughty, so we won't use them here. But he said, for example, success is how high you bounce when you hit bottom. What do you think of that American accent? Ooh, uh, I, I went to high school in Tennessee, but I, I, even there, I never heard anyone with an accent quite like that. Uh, but didn't Patton also say courage is fear holding on a minute longer? He did, indeed. But I mentioned him because he also said take calculated risks. I, I keep doing it's the American... It's not working. It's not uh, okay, working. okay. So if Patton had been British, he would have said take calculated risks. That is quite different from being rash. Ah, I see where you're going with this. Finance is also about taking risks. Right. But what's a calculated risk for a banker or a business person? How do you calculate them. Shall we ask some super terrific experts here at the European Investment Bank how they do it? Let's take that risk. What have we got to lose? So if you're a student. Or if you run a business. Or if you'd just like to understand what politicians and economists are talking about when they talk about the banking system and the economy. Then subscribe to this podcast and before you know it, you'll be a bit of a super terrific expert yourself. Today, you'll become a bit of a super terrific expert on risk. What it is, how it's taken, how it's avoided. And also, we'll find out what a black swan is. Uh, uh, what? Uh, isn't that a Natalie Portman movie? Yeah, but no ballet today. It's also a financial term. We're going to find out what it means along with a bunch of other very useful and interesting stuff on a dictionary of finance. To talk about risk, we're joined by Luigi Armelli. He is the head of the Financial Institutions Division in the European Investment Bank's Transactions Management and Restructuring Directorate. He's a graduate of Bocconi University, who started his career in corporate and investment banking in Paribas, working between Milan and Paris. Luigi joined the EIB in Luxembourg in 1998 where he spent about 15 years in lending operations between France and Italy. His current job means that he's in charge of monitoring EIB exposure to the banking sector. Luigi loves mountains and high-altitude trekking. How high is high-altitude trekking? When you go oh. high-altitude trekking, I mean, are we talking oh, about dolomites? No, it's, it's, it's mountain trekking, typically dolomites, yes, 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 oh. around... 2,000 meters, I would say. Ah, okay, so you don't, they're not uh, like high altitude. No, no, it's uh, not Himalaya. It's not Himalaya. Okay. Well, if he had. That would be risky. (laughs) We're talking about risk today. Okay. If he hadn't worked as a banker, he would have uh, been in the IT sector since he's crazy about tech stuff and one of his main hobbies is putting together PCs and home networks. Just for fun. Here's a computer I made, that sort of thing. Uh, More than one. Oh, more than one. (laughs) Oh, wow. And we're also joined by Giancarlo Sardelli. Giancarlo is head of the European Investment Bank's Public Sector Entities and Financial Institutions Division in the Risk Management Directorate. Giancarlo is an economist and also completed classical studies. He is Italian, as is Luigi, and has worked in the bank for around 20 years, mainly in capital markets, advising members of the management committee and being responsible for the management of the bank's financial risk. He is married and has three daughters. He is uh, fond of sports. He's a goalkeeper, I gather, which is kind of risk management for the football team. Yeah, right? typically. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Giancarlo likes traveling and has four big dogs. Giancarlo, let's start with a very basic question. 
In financial terms, what is risk? In general, in risk terms, we say that uh, a risky event is something which can happen, uh, so has a likelihood attached to that. Uh, and if uh, it materializes, uh, it can generate harm or a loss. If you're talking about uh, financial risk, uh, we are talking about a loss. But there are uh, broader definitions in a sense that we do not have just one single type of risk, uh, in particular in banking, which is an inherently uh, risky um, activity. We can have credit risk, financial risk, operational risk, uh, legal, uh, judicial, uh, uh, mm-hmm. you name it. So mm-hmm. you also have to distinguish which kind of risk you are trying to uh, analyze and right. manage. We're going to get to all of those mm-hmm. risks today when you're talking about them, but the idea of people, people think about risk as something that, uh, that is bad. But is risk bad? Uh, as you say, a bank is supposed uh, to risk something. That's what it gets its money from. Not per se. Uh, you know, a certain level of, uh, of risk, since I said uh, the banking activity is inherently risky, has to be accepted in order to get some remuneration. Because, uh, you know, to, to use a very standard uh, uh, phrase, uh, there is no free lunch. So without uh, any uh, specific risk, there will be no remuneration attached. Mm-hmm. So in this sense, uh, if we want to run a bank, we also have to incur some, uh, some risk. This has to be managed appropriately, professionally, but it's inevitable that there will be a certain level of risk. But I've heard, I've heard a concept that a risk is uh, a likelihood of something happening and the adversity of that something. Is that, is that something... Is that the calculation? So you calculate the likelihood, and then you you look at how bad the thing would be, and that together is risk. Is that? There are various ways to to look at this. Uh, for sure, there is a, a likelihood attached to all the risks. If you want, is the statistical probability that something will or will not happen. And this is a bit the cost of doing business, in a sense that, in a way or another, you are expecting uh, mm-hmm. this to happen. Then there are other things uh, that pertain to uh, less likely or not easily foreseeable events, and that is normally defined as the risk of doing business. Of course, we do look at both whenever we, we have to, to manage risk, and there are different ways to manage uh, both aspects, if you want. In order to manage it, you probably have to calculate it. You have to figure out what it is. Mm-hmm. Luigi, how do, you, how do you calculate a risk? We have to assess what is the likelihood of the probability of the fault, mm-hmm. the, um, uh, the, likelihood good, the likelihood of the fault of our borrower. Mm-hmm. So let's say this is the starting point. How this is calculated through, let's say, for as far as credit risk is concerned, through a specific analysis of the different borrower themselves. Mm-hmm. So we look at their past track record and how they've been able to repay we look previous at the past obligations. Record, we do projection. I mean, we do what is called the more in general the financial analysis, the financial assessment of the borrower. One of the aspects to be taken into consideration, one of the purpose of the risk management, is also to define the, what is the risk appetite framework of the mm-hmm. bank. So as what are the boundaries, in very simple terms, what are the boundaries 
where the bank is willing to take risk as part of his intrinsic ongoing core business. So this risk appetite, this is different for different financial institutions and and it shows how much you know, how much appetite for risk each of them have. It might differ from uh, different financial institutions also because clear that uh, if an institution is more, let's say, oriented towards taking risks, so let's say it has a lighter, a more flexible risk appetite framework, uh, typically the remuneration, the return on his investment are expected to be higher. Mm-hmm. Be- because of that risk capital, let's say that's the money it has if to an risk, institution, how much is it prepared to potentially lose. Exactly. If an institution on the opposite side has a very conservative risk appetite Mm -hmm. framework, meaning strict policies, strict credit limits, uh, low level of concentration allowed by the policies and so on, well, normally what could be reasonably expected is that uh, this institution, this banking institution, would have uh, a globally sounder portfolio but probably could be less profitable compared to... Uh, and, and, the, and the level of concentration that you're talking about, this relates to risk in a way that, that the more concentrated a portfolio is, if we give a lot of our loans to one entity, then there is a higher risk that if this entity uh, goes bust, we lose a lot, for, whereas if there is less but, concentration, we have more individual risk takers, basically. Let's say intuitively this is absolutely correct because uh, one of the principles behind uh, uh, risk management framework is diversification. Mm -hmm. Uh, Clear that uh, uh, having Mm -hmm. a big uh, concentration of risk on few names, few borrowers, it's clear that uh, the loss that you may you may expect in case that specific borrower defaults is much higher mm-hmm. and can potentially so, potentially and, and even this, create big problems to the bank. This is where the term exposure comes in. We mentioned it in introducing you that your one of your roles is to monitor exposure. Exposure is essentially how much your we ex- would lose if that borrower disappears. Um, There's a yes, nicer way to put not, it than that. Yeah, it's not, I would say it's not entirely correct because exposure is uh, basically what is uh, the credit, in credit terms, mm-hmm. what is the credit that we have towards, we have uh, lend towards a given counterpart as it appears uh, on our balance sheet. That's mm-hmm. very st- strict term, but this is what exposure is. This is not what we risk uh, this does not coincide exactly with what we risk to lose in case of default but simply because again as part of the risk management framework the exposure can be assisted by protective contractual clauses security and so on and so forth so that in case uh, the negative event materializes uh, normally we don't expect to lose the full exposure but only part of it Giancarlo, let me ask you, how complicated is this? The, you know, the math that's involved and the, the algorithms and so on. If you're a 16-year-old doing math in high school or if you're a 21-year-old studying math at university, are you 
are you going to get it? Are you going to be able to do it well, with I'm a little bit of training? How, yeah. how complicated is it? Uh, we don't have to overestimate uh, the, the, the impact that the math can have on this because uh, being a, a risk manager has a lot of um, common sense attached to, to it. So just the math and the technicalities do not uh, cover the whole, uh, the whole spectrum of, uh, of possibilities in this, uh, in this sense. For sure, uh, attached to uh, estimating probabilities of defaults or uh, how much you have at risk if you have a certain exposure involves modeling, so mathematical modeling, and uh, of course you have to be quite good uh, for developing this, uh, these models. I have to say that, uh, well, I have kids at school and uh, the math they're studying at the moment uh, far exceeds <laughs> what are the the needs of uh, uh, of a risk manager who is uh, on the field? Uh, but the risk manager must have some experience, must know about law, must know about uh, statistics, uh, must know about uh, uh, accounting, uh, financial management, uh, reporting. So it's a much broader uh, and round uh, profession. The whole term risk management mm. kind of implies that what you do is not just calculating risk and letting the bank know that this is risky and this is not risky. It also implies that we're doing something about risk. So, so how are we managing risk? What, how can you, I don't know, are we, are we trying to avoid risk? Are we trying to lower risks? What are we doing with them? Besides calculating them? Uh, for sure, the risk uh, exists. Uh, as we said beforehand, uh, it has to be uh, managed. Uh, it cannot be uh, avoided because otherwise uh, we wouldn't be in a bank. So uh, the purpose of the risk management, of course, is to try and bring back the residual risk of, that the bank is running to an acceptable level in line with what uh, Luigi defined as the risk at upside framework of the bank, so the maximum level of risk that the bank uh, uh, is able to, to accept. Is this hedging are we talking about now? Is, is that bad? Hedging? Is this what we're talking about now? Yes. So this uh, is the risk, so let's balance it no, with something No, but in fact, there are, uh, this was my further point, my following point. Uh, you have to manage, and so in many cases you have various possibilities to hedge this risk. And, of course, there is a way of saying on the market uh, which is... Uh, uh, hope is a bad hedge. Of course, uh, you don't just sit on the... Well, they use a, a bit of a more vulgar word, but uh, of course uh, we can't say this here. But in any case, uh, it's clear that it, uh, it doesn't work in a sense that uh, you take risk and you sit on it and you hope that nothing will happen. As you were saying, there are many ways to hedge it. In order to hedge, you have to be able to measure. And then you have to be able also to choose the most appropriate and effective ways to bring back this risk to an appropriate uh, level. The purpose of risk management is also choosing the most appropriate mix of protections and hedges uh, uh, that are relevant for the specific risk you want to take care of, you want so to I, tackle. I think we're going to talk about a few of those specific risks yeah. in a minute, but first I wanted to ask you, what's a black swan? <laughs> Well, uh, that um, is a reference to a rather famous book in, um, in the financial world. 
which talks about uh, unexpected events and the potential consequences. If you want, it has to do with the fact uh, that there are certain risks that are considered uh, uh, highly unlikely or almost impossible, a bit like uh, in the past, uh, you know, that uh, it was considered in, um, or believed in ornithology that um, the swans were all white. Hmm. Until then, uh, until they discovered that in Australia, I think, uh, there were some black swans. So uh, until that time, it was considered ah. totally impossible that uh, a swan could have been uh, different from uh, from white. In financial terms, a black swan is uh, an event uh, which is considered hardly possible or, or even impossible, uh, but that when uh, it happens, uh, and it happens once in a while, it has disastrous, uh, very heavy consequences, and, uh, well, unfortunately, exposed uh, can be considered possible. So do we uh, at the European Investment Bank, do we hedge against black swan events? It depends on which is the kind of risk you have uh, open. Uh, but for sure, uh, you see, th these kind of events have to do with highly unlikely events uh, that technically often are defined as tail risks, uh, in the sense that uh, if you make a distribution of probabilities on how likely is an event, they are extremely unlikely or, as I said, even impossible. Um, of course, uh, you cannot hedge this uh, on the basis of financial calculations. Normally, you do it through a procedure which is called the stress testing, which tries to estimate what happens and what can you do or what could be the financial consequences in very uh, extreme scenarios. So, yes, uh, we also take this into, into account and try to be... Uh, overcautious, if you want, because the bank is not a huge risk taker. So how do you stress test? What is a stress test? Is it a computer program or do you just have a set of inputs? What's it's a process. Stress testing is a process uh, which is normally defined uh, among a group of uh, professionals within the bank. There are committees for this. Uh, which uh, uh, try to elaborate extreme scenarios that in liquidity, credit, uh, uh, operational terms could impact the bank uh, much beyond what is uh, deemed um, statistically possible or probable uh, and therefore trying to put in, uh, into, into being uh, uh, buffers uh, or securities or ways to hedge risks that are considered extreme. In order not to be unprepared, uh, a typical example of uh, of a stress testing is a stress test you could have in liquidity. You know, the, uh, uh, the, if you make reference to the the last uh, huge financial crisis, the one of two thousand and eight, it was mainly a liquidity a liquidity crisis. And uh, since then, uh, liquidity has been put under the spotlight, and all the banks, including us, have de developed. A, rather sophisticated ways to, um, you know, cover uh, potential uh, liquidity shortfall. What's the liquidity risk? Actually, the liquidity risk is linked to the capacity at any time to ensure the funding of the portfolio of assets that you have uh, on your balance sheet mm -hmm. in very general, uh, in very general mm -hmm. terms. Meaning if you had to come up with all the money that you owe at any given moment... It might, exactly, it might you happen. weren't able to produce exactly. the money. Just to give you a very, a very concrete example, I mean, in the, in the past years, around between 2010 and 2012, 
I mean, we have uh, assisted, uh, we have seen uh, uh, several failures of banks which needed to be bailed out, uh, not because of credit risk, uh, or at least not only because of credit risk, but also liquidity risk. In the case of Dexia, for instance. Mm. Dexia is a counterpart which has an excellent credit risk profile. Excellent. Most of the assets are done by, are represented by public sector assets. So mm. generally speaking, the credit risk incurred by Dexia is very low, but they had huge mismatch in terms of uh, liquidity funding this asset portfolio. And during the financial crisis, where there was a clear liquidity crunch on the market, nobody, I mean, at the interbank level and the capital market level, nobody, le- nobody lent anything to anybody. That was quite a difficult situation. And Dexia, having a strong need of refinancing on a regular basis these assets, having, let's say, shorter financing compared to the longer maturity of the assets, they were in deep water. And mm-hmm. they needed to be bailed out by the French and Belgian governments. You know, indeed, uh, liquidity is often misunderstood. And, uh, you know, sometimes um, we have to explain this to young students, for instance, that, you know, are coming here to visit the bank and are interested in our, uh, in our own activity. And I tend to make examples that are the kind of thing like uh, I have to go to the canteen and I have to pay my meal with some cash, uh, but at that moment I do not have any, any cash. This doesn't mean that I do not know, uh, that I do not own anything or I do not have my own fortune and maybe I'm even rich, but in that moment I do not have the cash to pay my meal. That is a typical liquidity risk, which has nothing to do with, uh, with the fact that I, I have a a huge amount of money in the bank, uh, the money has to be available in certain, uh, in certain moments. We're almost out of time because we want to keep it to a particular time, but there are a couple of other risks that I, I wanted to get out there. Market risk and financial risk. Right. To a lot of people who are not risk managers, those might sound like kind of the same thing. Normally, uh, credit risk in a very basic way answers the question of if I have a credit towards someone, if I lend money to someone, uh, what is the likelihood I'm getting back my, my money? Mm? Uh, financial or market risk uh, has a completely different perspective. Even in presence of a perfect uh, um, credit uh, and without any uh, credit problem, you could lose money simply because the market moves, because a fixed rate goes up or down or because interest rates go up or down. And this has a lot to do with managing what we call uh, at banking level mismatches in the sense that from time to time the banks can borrow short and lend a bit longer. This is called maturity transformation uh, or a bank like ours which is uh, very much um, involved in international markets can borrow money in a currency and land in another one and so on and so forth. Of course, there are ways to manage these risks which have to be uh, kept within certain specific uh, boundaries uh, and this has to, do, has to be done in a professional way, clearly. So the market risk is something that happens and, and neither the bank nor the borrower is, is really to blame for it. It just happens. It's, it's beyond the control of both parties. Well, I wouldn't say so in a sense that uh, if, you're being, uh, if you've been so unwise to expose yourself to one of those risks, of course, you have to be blamed for that. Uh, okay. But as I was saying, there are ways to hedge uh, these risks. 
Fantastic. So you've mentioned wisdom there, Giancarlo, and we've got a lot of wisdom from you today. Thank you, Giancarlo. Thanks Thank to you, you, Luigi. Thank to Thank you. you. This has been a Dictionary of Finance from the European Investment Bank. Subscribe to our podcast on iTunes or Stitcher and all the other big podcast platforms. It'd really help us out if you'd rate the podcast as well. Everyone likes to be judged, don't they, Arlo? They do. Uh, and you can also send us your ideas for financial terms to include in the following episodes of the podcast. To do that, contact us on Twitter. I am at Tankler. You want to spell that out? because Probably a know, good idea. To those of us who aren't Estonian, that might not be such a common name. So, at A-L-L-A-R-T-A-N-K-L-E-R. And I'm at E-I-B Matt on Twitter. That's That's E-I-B-M-A-T-T. Because pretty much 75% of all males are actually called Matt or Matteo or Matthias or anything like that in Europe. So, I'm at E-I-B Matt on Twitter. We'd love to hear from you. And we'll see you next week on a Dictionary of Finance.